So now is the time that we uh, focus on the message part of today, which uh, Sunday is the day you focus on the resurrection. You know, most of the world last Friday focused on the cross, and that was what we call Good Friday. And uh, I know it's always kind of strange. Why do we call it Good Friday when it was the day that Jesus was crucified? We call it Good Friday because in that crucifixion, our sins were paid for. And um, it, it, it's what enables us to be able to approach God with confidence that Jesus was willing to suffer all those horrible things that really started with Thursday night with the beatings uh, by, by the Sanhedrin being slapped around, the beating of the Roman soldiers, the scourging, the carrying the cross, the wearing this crown of thorns um, that is very intense. I, I had bought this. Um, this is made of acacia wood, which is what was used in that region of the world, that women would buy these, bundle them up, and um, excuse me, collect these, bundle them up, and sell them for kindling to start fires. And it was probably one of these was taken, fashioned in a circle and put on his head. And you can see the spikes are huge. And uh, this was put on his Jesus' head and he was beaten while wearing this. And and uh, we, if, you, if you haven't seen The Passion, I really want to encourage you to see it. This is, uh, uh, you know, probably should have watched it last Friday, but it's never too late. Never, never, never too late. It's uh, it's oftentimes criticized for it's it's intensity and how raw it is, but that that is what happened, and it's good for us to know, and God wants us to know what Jesus went through, you know, that uh, he, he was beaten with this crown, that these this is a cross I have that's made of spikes, iron spikes, and these are the very kind of spikes that this long one would be used to go through the feet, and these horizontal spikes would be used what goes through the hand, put in the wrists, and uh, somebody fashioned a cross out of this because obviously it has much more meaning, understanding what Jesus was willing to go through for us in order to pay for our sins. And that is, that is, there's just there's so much there. And it's, it's the very reason why we take communion every week is to stop and consider some aspect of what the cross represents. And um, it was in one sense, the worst defeat in the history of the world and the greatest victory both bundled into the one event, the crucifixion of Jesus. And then the crown of victory or the crowning moment is what happened on Sunday morning when Jesus rose from the dead. You know, I can only imagine what a horrible time period that was from Friday to Sunday for Jesus' family, for Mary, for the apostles, for the women that followed Jesus around. What, What a horrible time period that Jesus died, and what a what a fantastic moment that was. I mean, imagine uh, all of a sudden somebody comes running back in the door and saying, Jesus has risen from the dead, you know. And I love that it, was, it began with women because, you know, in the first century, women's testimonies weren't even allowed in court, and they were not considered equal. They were not considered reliable. And so what does God do? He makes the first witness of Jesus' resurrection, a woman, you know, and her testimony. And of course, the apostles didn't believe it right away. And Peter runs back and, you know, the apostles have to see it. And then you got Thomas saying, I'm not believing it until I touch him and everything. But God made his point. And, um, you know, and Jesus talked about this coming during his ministry. And he really kind of hit 
at the heart of it. Because even though we know this happened, even though, you know, Christians, we all intellectually say, yeah, of course, I believe in the resurrection. How much we believe in it? How much does it affect our life? How much does it affect our decision making? How much does it affect our, 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 our ability to get through tough times? You know, that's the real test of not do we just intellectually believe, but do we, do we really believe this with all our hearts? And that's really the, the, the challenge to believe something with all our hearts so that it, it sets our life and our life hope is built on this, that Jesus rose from the dead, that he paid the price of my sin. He rose from the dead. That is what we call the gospel. That is the good news that not only have your sins been paid, but you have the hope of eternal life with Jesus who rose from the dead and is the first, you know, in uh, John chapter 11, Jesus kind of foretells what's going to happen. And he says, it says, Jesus said to her, and he's talking to Mary and Martha. This is when Lazarus died. He said to her, your brother will rise again. Okay. And that, that, that right there is a radical statement, but, but, but Martha and Mary, they, they knew what was going on. They were, they were in touch. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. They knew what was supposed to happen. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will still live even if he dies. Now this is, this is intense. This challenges our thinking because generally we think somebody dies. That's it. It's done. They're gone forever. And Jesus is challenging that. And he says, says, he who believes in me will still live, even if he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ. And basically, she said, you, you've proven who you are. I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. I believe that you're the Messiah. You're the Savior. You're God's son who comes to judge the world. And if you're that person, then that means you can raise the dead. That means that you're going to have the power to do all these things. But the key question he asks in here, and I love it because it's kind of embedded in here. It's easy to miss. He says, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I have a, I have a really good friend, Jim Long, who... Um, Every once in a while, he says this to me. He says, you know, you and I will never die. And it always kind of like, what? You know, because, you know, I know that the resurrection, we get a new body, right? And and the, this body, it's done, it's over. Thank the Lord. We get this new body, and this new body is going to be really cool because if it's anything like Jesus' body, the resurrected, glorious body, you know, Jesus appeared in rooms, he went through walls, he appeared, he floated away, he did he did some pretty cool stuff, and he was able to enjoy a good meal, he ate dinner with the apostles, had some fish, I mean, it was like, wow, the best of both worlds, the physical world and the spiritual world, it's going to be a pretty cool body, but the question is not how cool will that be, the question is, do you believe it? Do you really believe this? And that's what he asks her. And that's the question for you and me today. Do you really believe this? Because if you do, it changes everything. But I know, I know that we're, we're, we're doubters by nature, right? We're the ones that we see a sign that says wet paint, we have to touch it. We're, we're, we're doubters, we're questioners by nature. And a lot of times, even the best of us, you know, even in our good moments, we're like the apostles when they said, we believe, but Lord help us with our unbelief. 
Like we believe, but help me with my doubts, you know, and we, and we get those. And, and at the heart of this is, is the question, is there a hereafter? Is does something happen afterwards or when we die, is that it? It's done. It's over. That's a, that's a, that's a deep question. You know, a lot, lots and lots and lots of people, the closer they get to death, the more scared they get because they're just not sure. And yet at the same time, we, we, we have this inherent feeling, you could call it, that there's more, that this isn't it, right? And this is an important question because even the whole idea of heaven, a place where you get to be in eternal bliss forever. I mean, I think anybody who's a Christian, of course, is going to say, yes, I believe. But do you really believe? Are you counting on it? Are you planning on it? Not not so much the, that you're in a hurry to leave this world, but but so much that you're not having to worry about this world. Because really, this world is like that. This life goes like that. Eternity is heaven. And that's what we got to plan for. That's what we count on. That's what we put our hope in, in heaven. But we have that, that, that streak of doubt. That we wrestle with, I want you know. There's the there's a the classic story of Marco Polo, who went was the first European explorer to go east, and see all the eastern empires of <clears throat> China and all over Asia, Mongolia and all these empires. And he comes back to to Europe, and he comes back to Venice, and he and he and he you know he goes around showing the kings and queens all that he discovered, and they tell him you're making this up. Because they were sure the whole world was just the Mediterranean world. And in fact, they, he even gets ordered to recant, say, you need to confess that you made all that up. And he said, I cannot recant. I have not told you the half of what I've seen. Somebody coming back from heaven could blow our minds. That's pretty intense. There are actually people who claim they have. And they're pretty intense claims. They're pretty uh, intense stories. In neurosurgeon, I just saw one the other day. A neurosurgeon from trained in Harvard who comes back and says, look, I had machines hooked up to my brain. There was no brain activity. And yet I traveled, I journeyed, time went by, and I experienced all these great things. He claims to have gone to heaven and got sent back. And there's a lot of claims like that. We have this streak of doubt, but we know there's got to be more out there, right? There's in the, the classic story in Spain, the motto of Spain used to be ne plus ultra, means there's no more beyond. And that's because Spain, if you look at the map on the, on the screen, see where the arrow's pointing, the, Spain was the last empire, last kingdom. And you go through the what's what was called the pillars of Hercules, the Rock of Gibraltar, and the other rock, the other mountain. And you go through there, and you go into the Atlantic Ocean. And they used to believe that was the end of the world, right? You'd fall off the end of the world, and that's where the map makers would write there be mount there be monsters here, and they would write that. And so they believed that where they were at, there's the last stop. Well, you know. A little bit later, this guy named uh, Christopher Columbus sails off from Spain and he finds a whole other world out there, right? And he comes back with all this 
produce and products and people and animals from the new world. And so they change their motto to plus ultra. They get rid of the nay. Plus ultra means there's more beyond. There's more beyond. Deep down inside, we all know there's more beyond. We know that. Why? Because we're spiritual beings. And we know that the physical is limited. And although the physical may die, we know there's more to it than that. We can feel it. We make movies about it. We make tons of movies about it. In 1 Corinthians 15, this is our text. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So I'm telling you what's really important here. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Just as the scripture said, he died for our sins. He paid the way. He took your guilt. Everything you've done wrong. Imagine if there was a video of everything you've done wrong. And you show up to court and there's the video. (laughs) And everybody's going to watch it. That would be horrible. (laughs) That'd be horrible for all of us. There's nobody that would want that entire video shown. But yet, Jesus paid the price. So that video would be edited and everything negative, everything ugly would be cut out. Because he paid the price for it. He says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel message. That Jesus went to the cross, died the horrible death, paid for your sins, finished it. You know, the last thing he said, tetelestai, it is finished. It's what he said on the cross. And then he gave up his spirit. When he said tetelestai, that's the stamp they used to stamp on a bill saying it was paid in full. A merchant owed until he paid it all and then they would stamp tetelestai on there. That meant it was done. It's the what the what a what an athlete would yell as he crossed the ribbon and he cheered he would he would yell tetelestai, I'm finished. I finished the race. It's what the marathon runner would yell. It's a, it was a, it was a term used for different things. And Jesus yelled the same thing on the cross. Cuz it was done, it was paid for. He paid for us. That's the gospel message. And that he rose from the dead. And it says, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the other brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. These are eyewitnesses. This is, this is, this is testimonies of people who were there, not people who heard from people who heard from people who heard from people. These, This was written while there were still people around. Yeah, I was there. I was one of the 500. I was at that meeting. Man, you should have seen Jesus. He was glowing. He was incredible. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me, Paul was writing, as one abnormally born. You know, Paul was the last person to see Jesus in the flesh. Imagine how incredible that was. But see, it's it's what that means 
that's so significant. It's not just that it was some kind of a trick of really, wow, that was a really cool trick. No, this is, what does that mean for you and me? What is so significant about that? What is so important about that? Well, first of all, because it proves everything he said was true. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the Son of God. Those of you who've been with me in the devotionals, he is the Ixtus, right? Jesus Christo Theos Huios Sopater. He is Jesus, the Messiah, God, Son, and Savior. It means that all those things he said are absolutely true. The wildest claim he had was that he would raise from the dead, and he did it. He did it. It also means that there's life after death. That age-old question that everybody's asking, it's already been answered. It's already been proven. And he said that if he rose from the dead, so will you. So will you. It also means there's forever hope. No matter how bad things are in this world. And you know, for a lot of people, things are really bad in this world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a cursed world. Jesus said so. The Bible says it. Who is the Lord of this world, Jesus said? Satan himself. And there's a lot of pain and suffering in this world. And some of us get to live in really nice parts of this world. I get to live in a really nice part of this world. But I know what this world is like. And I know how messed up this world is. And I know a little bit about the pain and suffering all around me. And I also know that there's forever hope for everybody, for anybody and for everybody. And lastly, it means that hope is mine for the taking because it's a gift from God. God's gift to me, God's gift to the person living in a slum in Mumbai, God's gift to the person living in the barrios of Mexico City is hope forever. And lastly, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. You know, Paul said, look, if this isn't true, then what we're doing is useless. More than that, we are then to be found found to be false witnesses about God. For we have been we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he but if but he did not raise them if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has been not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people most, we of all people are most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The only alternative is that he didn't raise from the dead. And if he didn't, then we're all fools and this is all lies and we put our hope in the wrong thing. But he did. And we know that already. We know it inherently and we know it from experience as Christians. We know what happens. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. He said, look, it started out, everything started out with death being entered through a man, Adam and Eve. Death came into the world 
the world's curse. It's all messed up. Now it's going to be made right by Jesus dying on the cross, paying for our sins, and leading us into eternity with God, into what really, really matters. The last enemy to be destroyed, he says, is death. The one thing that terrifies everybody, the one thing that's so absolute that nobody can change, but Jesus changed it. Jesus overcame it. Why do they sing, oh, happy day? Because it was a happy day. Because all that means when Jesus rose from the dead, it means so many things. It means you and I have hope. And you and I, no matter what happens in this world, we're going to end as victory. We're going to end in victory. That's the resurrection. That's why there was so much excitement. That's why we sing songs. So today... It's a day to celebrate. Let's enjoy it. You know, give each other hugs, high fives. Say your Greek phrase. You're now bilingual or trilingual or quadrilingual. Christo anesti. And then say back, alithos anesti. Jesus, the Christ, was raised from the dead. And your response is, truly, in truth, he rose from the dead. He did it. And that's the good news. And because of that, We have the hope of eternal life. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you and have a happy Easter. I have a couple announcements I want to share with you as we go. First of all, just join us every Sunday. We're we're here uh, worshiping God together online, having church online, being creative. Uh, We actually have devos all week long, uh, 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. And and, uh, we have English and Spanish. And uh, also, you know, in, in starting next Sunday, actually next Sunday and the Sunday after that, we have a Bring Your Neighbor Day that's going to be all our family of, of regions around here that are in Los Angeles. So it's going to be a Los Angeles-wide uh, Bring Your Neighbor Day online, same thing. Uh, you can find us at MetroLARegion.com. And our theme is going to be Safer at Home. So that's what we're all practicing, right? Being safe at home. And the theme is uh, from John 14, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So stay connected, please. Let's encourage each other. Please subscribe to our uh, Metro newsletter. It's on the website, MetroLARegion.com. It says MailChimp subscription. Click that button, put your information or just scroll down. You can put your information in. That way I can keep in contact, send you lessons, all kinds of good stuff. Thank you for being with us. Keep watching us online. God bless you and happy Easter.